On this episode, we're sitting down with the former CEO of Whirlpool, Jeff Fedig, a Kelly School of Business alum who helped lead his company through one of the worst financial collapses of all time. Let's get to the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the ROI Podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. If this is your first time listening to our podcast, we want to welcome you to the Kelly family. For those of you who are sharing our content on social media, just want to let you know that honors us so well. We are grateful you find our episodes so valuable. If you haven't already, would you do us a favor and go to iTunes or your favorite podcasting app and leave a review and rate our show? This helps our show actually gain more visibility across the board. Also, if you're an organizational leader who is wrestling with a tough decision, if you have some feedback on our show to improve, or you know of someone who would make a great guest on our show, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email to ROIPod. That's ROIPod at IUPUI.edu. So on this episode, we are sitting down with the former CEO of Whirlpool and Kelly grad, Jeff Fedig. Jeff started at Whirlpool following an internship in 1981 and worked his way to becoming chief executive officer in 2004. Little did he know, just four years after getting acclimated inside the C-level suite, all his leadership training, life experiences, and personal fortitude would be put to the test. You know, I'll never forget the day. I think it was September 15th, 2008. Lehman Brothers uh, went under, and that kind of changed the world. Um, You know, leading up to that, I mean, even through the end of August, you know, everybody was somewhat optimistic that the economy which was kind of bumping along was going to get better but you know with starting with the Lehman thing you know as I say every day for a long period of time after that every every, all news I had was bad news and it was it was just got worse every day Um, and and so everybody was grappling with what does this mean and we being in the consumer business, uh, we saw the immediate impact because, you know, I, I want to say our, 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 our revenues in, in the month of September probably went down 15 or 18% immediately. Everybody said, well, that's a blip, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the fact of the matter is we didn't know. Um, we, <clears throat> you know, probably by the middle of October, we knew this was going to have a very negative impact on our business. Uh, again, nobody knew how much, so <clears throat> no one had the answers. And the point of that is, nobody's ever gone through it before, so there was no um, experience to rely upon. There was no you can't say you couldn't look back fifteen or twenty years and say here's how it's going to play out. It, it was a, it was a new challenge that everybody was facing, and nobody had experience in it. The financial collapse of two thousand eight would become the worst economic disaster since the Great Depression. With no experience with such a crisis, Jeff could not be paralyzed. He had to do something. He's the CEO of a major company after all. So what does he do? But what I did, I called our our senior leadership team together. We actually physically got together for uh, three or four days and we kind of went through what I call scenario planning. Um, And um, and it's it's hard for humans to be 
extraordinarily negative and pessimistic. But but given what we were seeing, we forced ourselves to go through a process. You know, for example, what if revenues went down by five percent? What would be the impact? What would we do? Then we said, well, what if they went down ten percent? Then we'd argue, well, they've never gone down ten percent. You know, but so what if they did? And we finally worked our way up to what if they went down by twenty five percent? And we said, oh, and we went through all that. And and somebody asked me one time, why'd you stop at 25? Because I said, if it got worse than 25, there was nothing we could do. <laughs> so we just quit there. Uh, and and from that, we went through a, a kind of processes. You know, in the in that environment, what is the most important thing, or what are the most? And we kind of came up with a series of ten actions that you know, based on uh, perform based on revenue drop. You know, what would we do? And you know, we started with number 10, we're going to do that immediately. Number nine, we're going to get ready for down to n- number one. You know, it enabled us to take clear, focused actions, the right actions. It, it enabled us to communicate to all employees what's going on, you know, what we knew and what we didn't know, what we were doing, and why we had great confidence that these were the right thing, even though they were hard, they're the right things, and that the company would sustain because of it. With little information to work with, Jeff gathered his high-level leaders and planned for the worst while hoping for the best. His best plan of attack came in the form of strong communication, building a thorough plan his organizational leaders could all agree upon. Each member of his team playing out each what-if scenario so they could make the best decision. Leadership has to be able to deal with ambiguity, uh, sometimes there aren't, you know, predictable uh, environments. Um, you, 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 you know, you, you learn the value of a strong leadership team. Um, but at the end of the day, your job is to problem solve. And whatever the problem is, you know, make sure you've got the folks that are capable of figuring out how to solve it and keep your people engaged. And, you know, it, and if, you, if you know your business well, if you know the priorities well, um, um, and communicate, 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 um, you know, as painful as it is, you will probably get through it. A team of trusted leaders working with the same uncertainty, yet charged to find a way to keep their organization alive. Not only does Jeff have the challenge to be the top leader, Jeff and his team must deal with a worried workforce. When you're a CEO of a company, I mean, you know, literally the buck stock stops there. So, you know, you have to be on top of your business. You have to take action. You are not going to have all the answers because everybody's, they're worried about the company. They're worried about their jobs. They're worried about their families and their layoffs everywhere. Um, you know, uh, you know, the equity you built up in your home had evaporated overnight. The equity you had in your 401ks, you know, everybody felt the pain. I remember very clearly, we said, look, we'll tell you everything we know, but here's what we don't know. Uh, and when we do know it, we're going to talk to you about it. But with that, you know, I think the employees take comfort when there's a clear direction and they understand what they can do to help us to get to where we're going to go. Once we know what to do, we're very focused. Um, we communicate deeply into the organization. We explain the what, the why, and the how. Um, you know, we, we engage our, our folks, uh, and, 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 you know, when we have clear 
direction like that, we typically execute very well. And as the temptation for many leaders in times of crisis becomes isolation of information, Jeff and his team recognize the need to address the fears and worries of each employee with total transparency and honesty. Now able to reflect upon the past, Jeff acknowledges their strategy brought high payouts of team morale during such turmoil. The better informed they are, the better they can perform. And and and, and again, setting that clear priority, you know, and, and taking the time to explain the what, why, and how. Um, you know, they're also smart people. They, I mean, when you explain all that, you get a lot of engagement and commitment to your priorities because they understand why we're doing them. Uh, so that that's just kind of our standard operating uh, approach anyway. But it was particularly critical during this period of time because, you know, with all that was changing so fast, there was a lot of confusion about, and again, e- even then, n- nobody could for- forecast what was going to happen, you know, the next week or month, let alone year. And so it was a real-time communications. We, you know, we amped up. Uh, the communications. More is better than less. And since the buck stops with Jeff, so to speak, how did he lead himself through such a trying time? Leadership, you know, I guess at times can be lonely, but it, but 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 at the end of the day, you've got to be self-motivated. You learned that, um, you know, you really didn't have time to go through the normal human uh, grieving process in that, you know, I kind of got to the point where no matter how bad my day was, and it really didn't matter how bad it was, you know, my job was to go home, go to bed, and get up with positive energy and confidence and be, and be willing to run through walls uh, every day. And because if you as a leader didn't have that, it's contagious. Um, the people around you aren't going to see that. The organization is not going to see that, and you know you have to be self-motivated. Um, you know, it, you know. There's a lot of people who will help you if you ask, but but the point is, it, you know, if the leadership doesn't provide the direction, who is? And if the leadership isn't confident, who's going to be? And you know, and the fact of the matter is, is if if you really believe in what you're doing, you really believe you set the priorities, no matter how good or bad the news is. Uh, as long as you have confidence in those things, then, you know, in, in an environment which was uncharted territory, you just keep plowing ahead. And, you know, and, and, and fortunately, even though this lasted a long period of time, we saw enough what I call small victories along the way to know that at least, you know, the problem with knowing when the bottom is, is you never know until you're stuck going up. And up they went. After the dust settled in 2010, Jeff and his team worked tirelessly, hardly taking a day off in order to rebuild their company. Because of their efforts, Whirlpool's stock went from a low $19 a share in 2009 to over $200 a share just six years later, a feat no organization could accomplish without the right group of leaders. So how did Jeff find the right people? And it starts with the fact that leadership is earned, not given. Uh, and everybody there has earned their leadership spot in the company. Um, and, you know, that's really ultimately built on uh, trust and respect. And, you know, you, you talk about the team, you know, I trust them, they trust me, I respect them for what they've done over time. Hopefully they respected me for what I did over time. 
but there was a mutual trust. And when you have that, you can have a pretty open environment in terms of, you know, I, and again, you'd have to know some of the people, uh, I, I had a little worries about them being afraid to tell me what I didn't want to hear because they were very capable of telling me anything they wanted to, okay, even if I didn't like it. And, and they knew it. And, 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 I had a, and I had a point of view as well. I said, look, I, have pro- I probably have an opinion on everything, okay, and that's my, then that's my position until you prove different. But if you prove different, I'll thank you for it because you've taught me something that I didn't know. And the more people speak up, the more you learn, and the more you learn. That's part of diversity uh, and inclusion is, you know, it, it's about diversity of thought. And the more, you know, and, 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 and it's actually good to walk away and say, wow, this is a better outcome, a better decision than what I could have done by myself. And not only defending Whirlpool's culture of diversity and inclusion, Jeff also needed to take charge of his schedule to ensure the most valuable resource, his time which had to be spent productively and appropriately. Time is a very finite resource. You know, there's seven days a week, there's 24 hours a day. So that's that's what you got. And uh, the good thing about being a CEO is you fundamentally choose. I, I think of where I spend my time as CEO around three, three buckets. Strategy, operations, people slash talent, and just general leadership activities. And, you know, so in this period of time, you know, I'd say, well, we weren't too worried about strategy at this time. Okay, this was about operations. And so operations went top of the list. Um, You know, people and people development activities, we didn't abandon them by any means. Uh, But I would say leadership and leadership forums and leadership communications uh, to, again, employees, customers, and shareholders was, you know, probably second in my priority. Operations was first, that was second. And, you know, yeah, we had long hours, worked seven days a week, blah, blah, blah. But it also allows you to focus. Uh, you know, when you're faced with, you know, near-death crises, it, it's e- it becomes very easy to focus. So a lot of the peripheral things that you typically get up, hit up just was, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this and only this. And so it is actually easier to focus during, quote, quote, a crisis than than just when things are just bumping along okay. Following the success of their hard work, Jeff and his team, along with the entire Whirlpool organization, could finally take a breath once the impact of the 2008 recession blew over. But after working seven days a week for over three years, how did Jeff find his work-life balance again? I get the work-life balance question a lot from, from folks. Um, uh, throughout the organization, and and my answer is the same answer I had for me my whole career is that's up to me. That's a hundred percent up to me. Yes, I worked a lot during my career. Yes, I worked a lot of weekends, nights, holidays, etc. But when we planned family vacations, we had family vacations. When my kids had a soccer or tennis match, and I wanted to be there, I planned to be there, and I was there, um, and. So, you know, I, I think time management is, is boils down to uh, schedule management. And, you know, I would, you know, you learn not to waste time. Very simple example. Look at your schedule for last week. You know, my, I've got it, you know, it's on my phone, whatever. And how many productive hours did you have and how many wasteful hours did you have? 
That's what it boils down to. You know, Matt, Jeff makes some powerful points about time management in a crisis. And it starts with his very simple observation that time management is the leader's choice. She or he has the ability to allocate her his time however she or he wants. Notice that Jeff was smart enough to surround himself with smart people to be transparent with information and to make sure whatever he was doing was in a team environment. He didn't make decisions or reflect in isolation. So what this means is, is that when you surround yourself with the right environment, that however you manage your time in a crisis, and you know, time management during a crisis is almost an oxymoron. When you're in crisis mode, you're responding and you're trying to minimize damage and you're trying to show empathy and you move from step to step. You have to compartmentalize. And here's the good news. If you surround yourself with the right environment, you're guaranteed that as you move from item to item to item in what may feel like chaos, you're guaranteed to be productive and to generate value. And compare that to if you're following your gut and moving from item to item, but you're doing it in an environment where you've isolated yourself as a leader. So let's recap. The financial fallout of 2008 became a trying time for every business leader. Along with the rest of the globe, Whirlpool saw major declines in demand, stock prices, and overall liquidity. Jeff Fettig and his team worked tirelessly to sustain and eventually rebuild their brand. But how? First, Jeff needed to rely on the people who earned their leadership inside his organization. Understanding he did not have all the answers, he conducted scenario planning strategies for every fallout situation and how his team would act in the months and years to come. While working through and agreeing upon these strategies, Jeff and his team were also dealing with fear and worry felt by the entire organization. Communication became paramount, especially when they had no answers. Giving their organization such open and honest feedback built much-needed morale in such uncertain times. But how did Jeff deal with leading himself? He had no choice but to remain confident and encouraged each day because, as he said, The point is, you know, if the leadership doesn't provide the direction, who is? And if the leadership isn't confident, who's going to be? The values of a leader are contagious, especially in times of crisis and uncertainty. While Jeff and his team continued marching through the mud left over by this financial collapse, Jeff needed to understand he did not have all the answers, but his team did. Jeff could not simply hear what he thought was right. His team had to feel empowered to speak truth, especially when there was disagreement. This collaboration ultimately brought about incredible ideas that led Whirlpool out of this financial pit. Now the organization continues marching in the right direction, growing profits, increasing demand, and confident in their liquidity. And though Jeff is no longer the CEO, his legacy will remain timeless. This has been another episode of the ROI Podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell, working hard to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week. Thank you.